Hi, I'm Lebo Mutiba, and you're listening to a Liga podcast. Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalupa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobak. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. Hello, and welcome along to the latest episode of Le Beau Jeu podcast. Coming up. We preview the first cup final of the season in France as Strasbourg and Gangon go for glory in the Coupe de la Ligue. We'll discuss Les Bleus' bid to follow up their world title with a Euro triumph. And with the Ligue 1 action returning on Friday, we look ahead to all of the upcoming games. With me in the pod, I am delighted to introduce Robbie Thompson, who Robbie is still coming to terms with the fact that Paris Saint-Germain aren't in the cup final this weekend. Hi, Robbie. Bonjour tout le monde. Yes, incredible, incredible. Five wins in a row, and I, I won four of them with the, with the team, but uh, not this year. You won four of them with in the team? In my capacity, in my role I, as, as post-match interviewer, I interviewed for the last four seasons, the winners of the last four seasons. I feel I'd like to say Rob's wearing role. a serious rock there, a bit like the Pogba Griezmann thing after winning the <laughs> World Cup. He's got a big Coupe de la Ligue thing and it's, it's quite hard for me to even see Matt I do have that. the photos. I do have the photos at home of me with the Coupe yes, de la Ligue. Yes, Robbie, uh, who is the <laughs> producer of This Is Paris, the uh, uh, magazine show on Paris Saint-Germain and uh, has played a big part, of course, in, in the club success. It's part of a club culture. To, to feel that everyone wins when, when the 11 yeah, on the okay. field and the three substitutes and the coach wins, that everyone wins. I, I certainly em, embrace that, that theory. And that we'll be talking a bit less about Paris Saint-Germain, so uh, we'll perhaps be hearing a bit less from Robbie and more from David Crossan, who is our league and expert. Hello, Dave. Hello, Matt. So, this weekend, Strasbourg against Gangor. It's not the, uh, the glamorous cup final that perhaps some people were, were expecting but I tell you what, it's, it's been a bit of a breath of fresh air, hasn't it? To see these two football clubs going all the way to the Coupe de la Ligue final. They're going to be playing at the Stade pierre Mauroy in Lille. Uh, uh, these are two football clubs who have tradition and who have a, a huge, well, maybe not a huge following, but a passionate following, uh, a sizable one as far as Strasbourg are, are concerned. And Dave, it's been a pretty remarkable rise from, uh, from Strasbourg, who were on the brink of bankruptcy or eight, nine years ago, they've climbed up the divisions. And under Thierry Lorry, they've, they've become this very, uh, very competitive team, in particular at the Stade de la Meno, where, where the atmosphere is, uh, is, is just sensational. These are exciting times for Strasbourg. They are, even if their form has tailed off badly since they beat Bordeaux at home in the semi-finals. And you've got to look at how they've reached this final in Lille. And they've come up against the big clubs all the way through, beating Lille, then Marseille, then Lyon, then Bordeaux, the slightly lesser category. But you've got to give immense credit to Thierry Loret and his team for the way they've managed all of this. And as is the case with a lot of the Ligue 1 coaches, uh, Loret has been rotating his squad in these Coupe de la Ligue games. He's been giving chances to some fringe players and they thoroughly deserved to beat Bordeaux in the semi-finals. And it's going to be quite a procession up from Strasbourg to Lille as Strasbourg tried to win the trophy for the third time. They won it in 97 and 05. As you said, it's been a long and difficult road back. Immense credit has to go to Mark Keller, the club president who has overseen this, along with Thierry Loret, the current coach. West Ham fans, I'm sure, will remember Mark Keller from his uh, his glorious passage at, at the club. Mark Keller, yeah, he, he took over as, as the president a few years ago. Like we said, they were down in the Nationale in the third division in 2011. Talk that they might 
go bankrupt. This is a club that has a lot of pedigree. They were the French champions back in 1979. They had Raymond Dominic playing in the side. They also had a, a brilliantly named goalkeeper, one of the best names this for a goalkeeper, Dominic Dropsy, which I, I just think is, is absolutely hilarious, but I'm not sure the, the irony kind of was, was, was felt in, in, terms of, in terms of the French team. Robbie, Robbie had, the, uh, had the pleasure of meeting the Strasbourg striker and top scorer Lebo Motiba. And by all accounts, Robbie, uh, a very nice chap. He is a lovely chap, really, really all smiles. I mean, we spoke about it last week on the pod. He, he's a, just a, a positive force. And I think uh, that's how he sees himself. He, he, he's thankful for everything. I actually asked him in the interview, which you can hear in its entirety on the podcast website, what does Lebogang mean? I said, what, how do you, first of all, how do you say your name? It's Lebogang. That's how you say it, because there's a, another Lebogang in the Gangon side, a South African who'll be playing against, Piri. Um, who he calls General Piri, because he's a, li- a little bit older. But it's a very interesting interview. I hope you're, you all listen and like it. So Lebochang means be thankful. And so uh, when, the, when you're, you're thankful for the birth of your son, and you hope he goes on to do a fantastic things. So Lebochang Motiba is a, a very gentle, hardworking, humble, uh, and positive person. Fantastic. Well, he's doing well, Lebochang Motiba, his first season at, uh, at Strasbourg. Funnily enough, he joined them last summer from, from Lille. So he's going to be going back to his, to his old stadium to play this cup final. He scored two goals in the semi-final against Bordeaux to, uh, to fire them through. He's got nine goals in the league. And he talked to us a little bit about um, this, this amazing uh, sequence, this amazing phase of, of, of Strasbourg's history and the fact that they are just going up and up at the moment. Oof, they've been, uh, you know, um, they came, uh, you know, a long way because they they win uh, Diash, Diash, yeah. and Diash mm-hmm. from Diash they went uh, Sefa, and mm-hmm. after they went uh, National, and you know, it's a, that's why it's very special, you know, uh, uh, to win that game against Bordeaux. It was very special. I could see in their eyes the coach and the staff, the. The owner, uh, the way they were very happy and uh, also me, I was, you know, very happy because this thing is something that happens once in a lifetime. So it's very special and um, I'm very excited. Well, we're going to have a bit of a South African accent to today's pod because not only are we hearing from Lebohang Motiba, we're also going to hear from Lebohang Piri, who plays uh, for... Uh, Gangon. So there's going to be uh, an interesting duel between two mates. We'll hear from Piri a bit later. But just to to continue a bit on the Strasbourg theme, Dave, they've got uh, they've got an interesting an interesting squad, haven't they? And it, it, when I say interesting, they've got some players who've who've been there from the third division. They've brought in some players from the second division as well. I'm thinking about Ibrahima Sissoko, who's been superb in the midfield, but also some uh, some experienced foreign players uh matt sells who i'm sure is dear to your heart dave from his time at, at newcastle and uh and mitrovic as well uh stefan mitrovic the uh, the center back and it's just it's just gelled nicely hasn't it this season yeah really clever signing mitrovic also getting in lamine kone from sunderland to replace well numerically and on the pitch in the same position bakary kone who was on loan there last year so that the recruitment's been good they've got energy in the team and as you said, Matt, there is that spirit of these players, a lot of them local lads who have come up through the divisions again. Uh, Dimitri Leonar is one of my favourites, lovely left foot. He doesn't play quite so much this season, 
Jeremy Grimm currently injured, another big fan's favourite. But uh, the players who are, are making the difference in an attacking sense are the likes of, of Motiba and the, the wing-back Kenny Lala. The system mm. is ideal for Kenny Lala. Uh, he's in his late 20s now, but there is a big chance that he'll move on to a massive club in the summer. And Dave, I just want to ask you, because uh, I know you follow uh, Newcastle and their signings uh, very closely. Just before I ask you about, about the goalkeeper, Lamin Kone, uh, by the way, the, the centre-back, he's bounced back from a, a disappointing spell on Netflix because he, he didn't last long, did he, in the, in the Sunderland uh, documentary. He was there at the beginning. We and just then... see him in passing, don't we? Just, <laughs> I recognise him. Although probably... Well, it's quite Kadri, hard to miss. Well, he's a big as well given, the, given the way that season went, he probably did well to get out of, uh, get out of the Netflix uh, show quite early. But Matt Seltz, we, he's, he's, he's a Belgian goalkeeper. Um, big commanding goalkeeper who had a fleeting spell at, uh, at Newcastle but he has been really impressive people are talking about him as one of the best two or three goalkeepers in Ligue 1 this season he's been very very good uh, he wasn't good at Newcastle you, you know and regular podcast listeners will know I hesitate to use the term Newcastle reject to describe players there are a few of them around in Ligue 1 and Sells is one of them um, he was on the, the backup list for Belgium's World Cup squad didn't quite make it but um Though he's been excellent for Strasbourg and having someone with that calm authority in goal, Strasbourg managing to sign a player from the Premier League is, is a coup for a club of Strasbourg's current stature because of the, the differences in wages between the Premier League and the French League. And having that spine of the team, when you see Sells, Kone and Mitrovic, and Sells and Mitrovic know each other from having played together at Ghent before, um, that does inspire confidence and you can really build around that. They're the, the first choice centre-back pairing, Mitrovic and, and, and Kone. Uh, just Dave, are they, are they likely to play with, with three centre-backs? You mentioned yeah. Kenny Lala, a wing-back who set up a lot of goals this season. Yeah, you're going to see uh, Pablo Martinez, who is uh, a Thierry Lore favourite. They worked together uh, at Gazalek Ajaxio before, and he usually plays as the left-sided centre-half. And then with wing-backs, Lala on the right, and Lionel Carroll, who's rebuilding his career, often plays on the left. I think that one of the things and, and a way of explaining how Strasbourg have reached this final is their strong identity of the players like Jeremy Grimm, like Lionel, who weren't just in the third division in 20... They were down in CFA 2. They were stripped of their professional status. They were down playing regional football, playing against the, the other local amateur clubs around the city of Strasbourg. This is playing at the Menno against fifth division opposition. And these guys, Grimm and Lionel, were there. They can talk when new players come in. They can hand over and, and pass on this, this identity of the Strasbourg team and how it came up. And they got, they got back into the third division after two seasons and reapplied for professional status and, and, and got the green light. And here they are back in the top flight. It's, it's a fantastic story, but also about the coach Thierry Laurie, about these players. They're not a side, I don't think, yet, despite their history and their, their status, that could compete for a European place via the league, via the qualifying. But that... The players like Anthony Gonçalves, the players with real, you know, grinta. grinta on the on the pitch that are prepared to fight for everything. They can pull something off. They showed it against Paris Saint-Germain at the league. I know I'm not allowed to talk about Paris Saint-Germain. Talking about Strasbourg, at the Parc des Princes. But Pans. Thierry Lowry actually came out and and told PSG to stop to stop rolling about and being crybabies, and that that shocked quite a lot of people, didn't it? That it, was was that, yeah, that Neymar was got injured in that yeah, game. That was the game yeah, Neymar was injured in. But that is the the spirit of this side, and that is a cup side. They go out and they are prepared for 90 minutes and perhaps over the course of a whole season they can't pull it off. But in cup games where you know it's last man standing, it's the, the winner goes on, 
last goal wins, they are there and they can be counted on. Well, they're I certainly know not a league team at the moment, Matt. The, no, they're not a league team at the been, moment. They were threatening to qualify uh, for Europe through the league they're up until but that, but that's, they're now 10th. Yes, uh, but, but that was from riding these waves of, of being in great form, of climbing up to sixth place, and every, like, a bit like Lance at the moment. Everyone's saying, well, perhaps Lance are going to do it. Listen, chaps, I know that Arsene Wenger is, uh, is one of Strasbourg's biggest fans, um, former Strasbourg player. And I also know that he's a fan of Thierry Lurie. He's, he's really impressed with what Thierry Lurie is doing, as is Libohang Motiba. Let's hear what Strasbourg's striker has to say about the coach. Hey, he's a very good coach. I like him. Um, he's the, let me, you know, he's the yeah. coach that, you know, <laughs> he's the coach that always um, wants the players to give 100%, wants players to do their best. And um, that's why he liked me because I'm the player that always, you know, give 100% on the field. I'm always, you know, running and uh, giving everything to the team. That's why uh, he liked me and uh, he made me come to, to Strasbourg and uh, I like him very much. Even when he shouts at you, don't think that, you know, he doesn't like you or something. No, because he see the best in you and he wants you to, you know, to reach that level and... Uh, I like him. I like him too much. <laughs> he makes it, I just laugh when I think about him. Yeah, excellent to hear from Motiba there. And I think what's good for Strasbourg fans, what can fill them with optimism ahead of the game on Saturday is that he's back in form. He got that double against Bordeaux, but then had a goal drought, managed to get a goal against Nîmes just before the international break. And then on Sunday, he helped the Bafana Bafana qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations, which is going to be held in Egypt this summer. Uh, he had an assist in that game and by all accounts played really well. So um, good news for Motiba. Because they also have Ludovic Ajork, who's, who's been weighing in with, with, with some important goals. But uh, I think it'll either be Motiba and Ajork. And it, it, it looks like you know, Motiba is, is, is the first choice and Ajork will perhaps perhaps come off the bench. I think one They're of, both big, strong strikers, yeah. aren't they? That can both play back to goal, can both try and hold the ball up a little bit, which I think is something that Thierry Laurie wants. He do, he wants he's got the Nuno de Costas who, who can get in behind and, and, can, and the pacey wing-backs and Gonsalves who pushes up on the right-hand side. But he wants that, that fixed point in that number nine position who's good in the air, strong, runs in behind and can also hold up the ball. Lebo, Lebo Motiba, one thing that I like about him, and there's lots of things to like about him, but if you watch the goals he scored this season, he's, uh, he's an expert of, uh, of the dink finish. When he's racing through on goal, the keeper comes running out. And that is, you know, I, I grew up loving, you know, I have to admit this, loving that Liverpool team in, in the 1980s and early 90s and watching Peter Beardsley and, and Ray Houghton, who would just always just float the ball over the keepers. I didn't know how they did it. And I feel like it's a finish that has kind of died a little bit. But Lebogang, Lebogang, sorry, he, he, he's brought that back. And uh, uh, he's, 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 he's quite old school. You, if you might have heard on the pod last week, Robbie asking him why he, why he tucks his shirt right into his shorts and pulls his shorts up. And, you know, he is said, old school. He could have played in that Liverpool side of the, of the mid-80s. No, it's, it's worth saying as well that Lille didn't want to let him go, that Christophe Galtier wanted him in the squad this uh, season but Lille had their financial difficulties they needed to bring in money quickly last summer and that's why he moved on to Strasbourg for this fee that's estimated at three to four million it is said that there's a buyback clause that should Strasbourg get an offer for Motiba they have to go to Lille and say this is how much it is and yeah if you match it then he goes back to northern France he also scored important goals for Lille last season because they only just stayed up Let's not forget Lille last well, season. Galtier, Galtier called him back on low from, from, from his loan spell at Valenciennes yeah. and said, look, exactly. I, need, I need this guy. He came back, got five goals. 
Uh, I think he scored possibly against Dijon in the game that, that kept, mm, that kept exactly. Lille up. And uh, I just wanted to say, I admire Dave's insistence on saying Strasbourg, of call it, call, calling Strasbourg, <laughs> you know, à la française and not, not Strasbourg. But um, I'm going to go with, with Strasbourg still. Do whatever you want, Matt. <laughs> what we're going to see on Saturday, I think what is going to be fantastic, it's going to be the colours of these, of these supporters, the blue of Strasbourg, the red, the red of Gangot. They have hugely passionate supporters the meno i think it's only twenty five thousand. the meno it's been redeveloped it'll be a little bit bigger once they've done the redevelopment but it is it is a small a small stadium we interviewed lebocheng motiba in the stadium in the in the away dressing room last week and it it is a it is a small town stadium it's probably yeah twenty five thousand. But but that noise inside, it's got the roof all the way around it. It's, it's an, an old there was 1970s, a feature, I, I, 80s stadium. I saw a TV feature on, 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 on the Strasbourg players, sort of a behind-the-scenes look at how they prepare for a game. And what I loved was that they, had, they were in the uh, training ground, which is about 200 yards across yep, the road exactly. from the stadium. And yep. they, they have their lunch at the canteen or their, their early dinner, I don't know. And then an hour and a half before the game, they all walk, they'll put their headphones on and they walk to the stadium and they walk through all the fans. And, you know, the fans all clap them and saying, come on, lads, come on. And that, again, it's old school and it's, and it's great to see. It brings me back to, you know, back in the 70s or whatever, when, when the Arsenal players used to get the tube and, and, and walk along and people would, would, would cheer them on. And that's, you that, weren't that, there, that's Matt, surely. In you the 70s, on the tube. I, no, I wasn't there. But listen, <laughs> let's hear from uh, Leborang Motiba again um, to talk about this culture that they have, this football culture and the, uh, the incredible following they have in Strasbourg. Even when you're losing, they're there, they're singing 90 minutes and uh, it's amazing. They're... The fans, they give, you know, they give us the, the power and the strength to keep on going up until, you know, the last minute. And it's, you, you could see against uh, Lyon, we were losing from 2-0, but the fans, they were keep on singing, motivating us, and it, it's amazing. The fans, Strasbourg fans, they, they sing 90 minutes, and uh, as I said, this motivates us. So looking to uh, combat Motiba and Strasbourg, Jocelyn Gorvanex Gangon, who have had a pretty disastrous season in the league. This is a, a tiny football club from a little Breton village of 7,000 inhabitants. And what they have done uh, over the last, what, 10, 15 years, absolutely incredible. They've actually become quite accustomed to cup finals. They've won two Coupe de France finals in their, in their modern history, twice beating, um, beating Rennes. And if you look at their uh, march to the final here, they've beaten Angers and Nice on penalties both. Quarterfinals, they've beaten Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, on, Robbie. On penalties again. Right. <laughs> Not a penalty shootout, but with lots of penalties. On penalties again. And they've beaten Monaco. I mean, you know, they, they deserve their place in, in the final. Robbie, I know you were at the quarterfinal. You I don't was. Miss, you and don't it wasn't miss on a, penalties insofar as it was no. a penalty shootout, but they did have three penalties awarded in the game at the Parc des Princes. They scored two of them. All, of, all of which were fair penalties, I All believe. of which were, were fair penalties, and Paris Saint-Germain were... Uh, the coach was furious after the game about how his side had, couldn't defend like that and concede so many penalties. But uh, full, strength, uh, full credit to, to Gangon because Marcus Turam missed that second penalty that could have uh, fired them back in front. In the end... He came back, um, Mbakoto took the, the penalty that, that saw it at 2-2, and then Marcus Turam came back having missed a penalty and took, uh, took the third. So it was a fantastic show of strength from him. He is an exceptionally talented player, Marcus Turam, and he, for Gangon to win 
on uh, this weekend in the in the cup final for me. Marcus Duram has to play well. He is. Is he related to anyone famous? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The name rings a bell. Catherine. <laughs> yeah, his, his, Kefren, little, exactly. his little brother Kefren is Who's on, going to be a quality uh, player at Monaco, actually Monaco played midfielder. In the semi-final against Monaco, Kefren came off the bench. Um, and well, uh, Gangon won that one on a penalty shootout as well. So we can go through all the players that are important, but it's, it's Marc Aurel Kaya, who has been the hero of their run through to this final, that uh, he was brought on just for the shootout mm. against Monaco. And they were preparing that at the Parc de Prince as well. If Turam hadn't, uh, scored that penalty and it had gone to a shootout, then Kaya was going to come on to replace Jonsson there as well. Um, he's made a massive breakthrough this year and Gjorvanek paid tribute to him after the Monaco game saying that he's just very good at saving penalties, Marco. Well, that's always good for a cup final, isn't it? And Gjorvanek, so, I mean, he is a, a club legend, Jocelyn Gjorvanek. He left them after, I haven't checked my, my facts, but when it came through six, Nantes, six or seven years at the, at the club, he took them up um, from the third tier he took them up to the top division he took them to the Stade de France and they uh, and they defeated Rennes like I said in two different cup finals it didn't it didn't really work for Jocelyn Gorvenek at, at Bordeaux um, and when Gangon who were bottom of the league earlier this season uh, sacked Antoine Comboare they turned to Jocelyn Gorvenek and it was a little bit strange to see him go to see him go well, it's back it's becoming a common theme in Ligue 1 isn't it with Jardim as well mm. coaches mm. coaches coming back and it's been it's been a struggle actually for Gorvanet. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say he's turned things around. They they managed to get a huge one nil win last weekend before the international break against Dijon with a late penalty, and that's taken them from twentieth to eighteenth position, which in France uh, sees you uh, play a, a playoff game against the team that finishes third in uh, in Ligue 2. And what's strange this season is we've got three clubs who are absolutely disastrous: Gangon. Caen and, and Dijon, only two of them will be automatically relegated. And Gangon at the moment uh, are in the good position of, uh, of, uh, of 18th. Has if Gorvenek- Gangon can hold on to that 18th place, that yeah. is an incredible success for Gorvenek, honestly, because they were dead and buried. I, I wrote them off at the midway point of the thing that a month ago they had 14 points. How can you survive with, with three months left of competition? You have 14 points. Here they are. On the way back up, 22 points. But they're not they're a bad that- team. They're not a bad team. Marcus Turam, who we haven't said, is the son of Lilian Turam. So if he needs any advice about, you know, cup finals, Lilian knows a, a thing or two. And Lilian is, is, is often seen at the stadiums. He goes to most of the games and actually it was one of the few that he missed at the Parc des Princes where, when Marcus got that last minute penalty. But he looks like a, a, good, a good lad, Marcus Turam, head on his shoulders, powerful striker. And they've also got some... I wouldn't say, some handy wouldn't say journeyman. You know, Rodelin and Nolan Roux are guys who, who score regularly in, in Ligue 1. Uh, we've seen uh, Ludovic Blas, who scored the, the penalty in the last game, is a, is a, is a good young player. Nicolas Benazé is, a, yeah. is a, a solid number 10 for at Ligue 1 level. He's a he's technically proficient player, maybe lacks a bit of pace, but I think he's got good vision, a good, good footballer. And they have a lad called Lebohang, Lebohang, yes, Lebohang Piri. Who uh, is a an all action South African midfielder who has really started to impose himself in uh, in the last few months? It's been a difficult season, obviously for Gangon, but uh, they're on the up. They've got a cup final to look forward to, and Piri is uh, is enjoying himself. It's it's really tough, but uh, we, at this point, I mean, we've the last game we played was when January, so we had quite some time to you know to think about playing in in, in the final and, and let that be aside and uh, try get some 
results in the league, of which we've been, I think, doing exceptionally well in terms of the way that we started the season, and that's been going well. But now it's all focused on the final. Uh, it's the last two weeks of preparation, and uh, everybody's ready, everybody's focused. Uh, we're taking each day as it comes. We don't want to play the final before. So uh, it's an important period for everybody to, to have their heads right, their fitness levels on, on, on par, and, and everything else uh, we let for the final. Well, I've commentated Gango a fair bit this season in Ligue 1, um, and Lebohang Piri has been quite impressive. He's one of those players that you don't necessarily see a lot of on the highlights, really. You hardly see it all, because he doesn't score goals, he doesn't get forward, but he just sits in front of the defence, he knocks the ball around, he distributes, he doesn't yet perhaps set the tempo of a match, which is what you want from a really top, top quality number six, but he gets on the football a lot, He's, he's a neat and tidy little footballer, and uh, I've been impressed. I think he's a player that probably, because he's had a few niggling injuries throughout this season, he's had hamstring problems, he's had knee problems that have kept him out for a couple of months here and there. And if he'd been regular at the place of, say, someone like Luca Do, who's more of a box-to-boxer, if you can get Piri sitting in front of the defence, it remains, perhaps in France, more than other countries, other leagues around Europe, a very important position, that number six role, where you just sit in front of the defence, distribute possession, get on the ball a lot, and you're there to help contain opposition counter-attacks. He's a bit, bit N'Golo Kante-esque, isn't he, in that he's a sitter, but he can also break forward and burst, burst through, through, through challenges and launch counter-attacks. He is, he is, but he's, he really does have that discipline this season, I think, which has impressed Gorvenek, because by all accounts, Gorvenek told him uh, at the start of the season, look, I'm not counting on you, or when he came back, look, I'm not counting on you at the moment for, for league and football. And I think it's probably about his, his athleticness or, or lack thereof. He's a small little player. He's lightweight. Um, but I think he's proven to Gorvenek that he deserves his place in this side. And he's playing now. In terms of claims to fame, we've got, obviously, Marcus Churam has got a, a famous dad. Um, Ludovic Blas, who is a, a very neat technical midfielder, he has the claim to fame um, that he was, for many years, Kylian Mbappe's roommate when they were coming up through the ranks with the, uh, with the French uh, youth teams. They, I think they won the under-17 Euros. And they won the under-19s. With, there under was that 19s? three-man strike force of Mbappe, Jean-Kevin Augustin and Blas. And I was so excited about watching Blas play in Ligue 1 off the back of that. And he's not quite come on the way that everyone would have hoped, I don't think. He's well, he in the process of changing his position. Most recently, so more of an attacking, mid- attacking player. Yeah, he was a sort of an attacking wide player in that... Uh, under-19s team, but um, nowadays he's playing a little bit more centrally, a lot deeper, so mm. he play yeah, as a defensive yeah. midfielder, even in one of the games that I commentated recently. What I love about Gangon, I've been a few times, I've seen a, a few matches at the Rudaru that they all say proudly is an English-style stadium. It's a, it's a small, compact 20,000-seat stadium, which is pretty big for a, a village of, of 7,000. The whole place... I, I think I went up there before they played in the French Cup final last time and the whole place was red and black and it just lives and breathes for the for the football club and obviously everybody in Gangon goes to the matches but they also attract people from, from all around Brittany and uh, you just have that that amazing culture of, of football, of a place that, that lives and breathes football and, you know, Strasbourg is a much bigger town but it's, it, it's similar. Everybody talks about Racing and uh, everybody talks about En Avant in, in Gangon. And I think that is why the atmosphere is is going to be fantastic. And that is why our friend uh, General Piri, as uh, Motiba calls him, um, is extremely excited about this weekend. It's, it's, it's really, it's something 
awesome to bag as a player. Uh, getting the opportunity to say, hey, I once played in, in such a tournament and uh, along the way I got to eliminate great teams which have great players, big value players in the world of football. And uh, here am I now about to play the final. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's awesome. And I think it also helps uh, my national team as well. Uh, because uh, as South Africans, we don't get to play in major tournaments such as these abroad. And uh, I'm here to represent such as Lebo as well. So it's, it's a big plus for us. So we're expecting a, a sellout in Lille this weekend. And uh, I saw some news on the, on the internet on Gangon's website saying there were still 30 seats left for the Gangon fans to, to buy. And I was thinking, well, the, you know, that's, uh, that's nothing. But actually... You look at the population of Gangon, that is uh, almost half a percent of the Gangon population. So 30 tickets Matt. is quite a lot. Yeah, uh, they're well, a I proud provincial club, Matt, and uh, they unveiled their uh, official club tractor towards the end of February. I'm not sure if uh, everyone listening to us <laughs> is aware of that. So they could have come on the tractor, those 30 perhaps, if they packed together. Um, people might remember Ipswich in England being called yeah. the Tractor Boys, but Ipswich is a a gleaming metropolis in comparison to the village of Gangon. It's full of bright lights. Um, I, I love Gangon. It's, it's a lovely little place. Didn't the fans the, are, are really friendly. Didn't the fans once travel, or maybe more than once, they travelled to Rennes for the derby in tractors? I believe so, yeah. And I think they managed to close off the, the motorway or the main road. Between. They also had a huge um, tifo at the, for the first match of Neymar in, in French football. It was at the Ruderu and the world's media and everyone descended on the Ruderu for the for the arrival of Neymar in French football, and they had a huge TIFO with a huge tractor um, uh, 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 behind the goal at their end. And they are, they are the, the French tractor boys. For, for so often, the big cities, they, they insult travelling fans from these, from these regional centres by calling them peasants, peasants, peasants. Uh, you're, paysan, you're peasants. They love it. The Gangon have decided to turn it around, embrace it, and yes, yes. We are the most successful yeah, they have peasants in French football. They have big tifos, don't they, with tractors and yeah, stuff. They, and they, they love their, their tractor heritage. Now, before we move on to the predictions, there's, I, I just wanted to mention, we talked about Strasbourg and their, and their Grinter, but I wanted to mention a couple of midfielders because they, they also have technical quality. Um, Adrian Thomason is a good player. We've seen him at, at, at Nantes. Mm. And another one with Grinter as well. Thomason gets yeah, stuck in. they have Grinter. Jonas Martin. Jonas Martin is a, is a really good footballer. Injured, um, though, at the moment, unfortunately. In, he's he's out he's, uh, this weekend. Yeah, but he's been a, an excellent player for them. Well, that's kind of cut me down a little bit. In my, <laughs> they they in did my get prime. in uh, Perchich, whose name I've always had trouble pronouncing. They got him uh, in on loan from yeah. Levante, and he's eligible for the Coupe de la Ligue and has been mm. playing pretty well And he well gives recently. them that, that bit of extra technical quality, doesn't he, in the middle of the park, Perchich? Yes, but Jonas Martin out. That's going to perhaps change my prediction. Dave, how do you, how do you see this weekend? I think the fact that Gourvenet coached Gangon to the Coupe de France in 2014 might play a role at the weekend. Uh, Lore is an emotional coach. I'm, I'm full of admiration for what he's achieved. But I feel that Strasbourg, they're not used to this sort of occasion. Uh, Gangon do have some players who have seen it before, like Christophe Kerbrat, the, the veteran defender. And I think Gangon might just edge it, particularly if it goes to a shootout. I don't like predicting results. I'm hopeless at it and uh, have tried to do it officially and always... Uh, lose half my wages um look i who can, either side can win it they're both there neither side was expected to make it there both sides are going to give it everything let's hope that it's a, a great match of football but honestly i, I can't pick to, a winner you, you cannot pick a winner on, in this one you've got to go gangon or strasbourg dave went gangon i'll go strasbourg i'll go Matt, you decide i'll go you're calling them strasbourg as well okay i'll go i'll go <laughs> strasbourg. strasbourg i'll go i'll go strasbourg because i think they're a better team i think 
on paper, I like the look of Gangon, but when you say, Robbie, that Gorvanek's done a good job because he's got them up to 18th, maybe, but I just think, actually, they've got better players than than Caen and Dijon. And they, they should be getting... But what he's had done, and, and that suggests confidence to me, is everything. That and when to me you're, that when not, you're down in the dust. Well, he's made them hard to beat. The, the last five games that Gangon have played have all finished nil-nil or one-nil either way. So uh, that's something he's been working on. And if that carries on through to the end of the season, they're going to pick up a few more but, points. But this cup game is not the priority for Gangon. The priority for Gangon, it will be this week. It is the priority this week, absolutely, to win this cup. But more important to Gangon this year, unfortunately, is to survive in the top flight. And that may just play against them. Mm, I think the extra quality is on Strasbourg's team. And Lebo Motiba, I love his happy-go-lucky style. And I, I can see him dinking one over. Is it Kaya? You see, he's doing his goal? generator oh, goal celebration. And his generator goal celebration. With the plugging in the, turning, screwing in the light bulb and then starting the generator. That is, Listen to for that one. We talk his. about him being old school. I mean, in terms of <laughs> celebrations, these days you've got, you know, Fortnite celebrations and stuff. Lebo Motiba, when he scores... He, he explained to Robbie, start, yeah, he pulls he, the he string. We the thought generator. it was a lawnmower, but it's a, it's a generator. He screws in the light bulb <laughs> and he, he lights up his team and he gives his team the electricity to go on and win football matches. Oh, there's a serious point to that with electricity shortages and blackouts being a regular feature in South Africa. So it's, it, we can make light of it, but it's quite an important thing. Yes, yes, it is. It Sorry is. to interject like no, that no, on a humorous it's, podcast. It's, it's, it's a good point and fair play for Lebo Motiba representing his country uh, so positively and so well in France. Now, other players have been uh, lighting up the international scene this week. France back in action and uh, back in action with a, with a bang away to Moldova. Was it Friday night? Uh, a 4-1 uh, victory in Moldova. Um, Dave, I know you watched that. It, it was a bit of a, a sort of slow, stodgy start and then some brilliance from uh, Pogba and Griezmann. Mm. A one-two, a little flip pass from Pogba, Griezmann hammered it home, and Le Bleu. I mean, it was a bit easy for them, wasn't it? In in the end, Moldova's defence didn't uh, didn't resist too much. Wait, right, that's what you've got to expect from these Euro 2020 qualifiers. I think Moldova ranks 170th in the world. Mm. Uh, the question was, how many would France win by? Yes, uh, they defended diligently for 20 minutes, got men behind the ball, two lines, and then. Yeah, that inspiration, the one-two with Pogba and, and Griezmann and then the floodgates opened and then in the second half, France took their foot off the pedal because they had another international to play three days later and the only person who really looked like he wanted to score was Mbappe who was getting frustrated and he eventually got his goal. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about Mbappe. He was one of only two league gun players starting that game. Levin Kurzawa, the other one, his PSG teammate, came in at, uh, at left-back. Lucas Hernandez out injured and Luca Dean also also pulled out. So Kurzawa played. Um Mbappe scored right at the end of the game after goals from uh, from Griezmann, Varane and Giroud. Um, but there is a suggestion, Robbie, that he's not maybe frustrated, but he's not being best utilised on the right-hand side. France's play often comes up up the left and uh, it's often Griezmann and, and, and Giroud exchanging passes. Um, do, you, do you see his, maybe not his long-term future, but up until Euro 2020 him playing on the right wing for France? He is just 20 years of age. He will play at least for the next four years wherever the coach tells him to play without carrying on and without showing signs of frustration. I don't think that's what Killian's frustration is at the moment. His frustration, if he shows it after a missed chance or when the ball doesn't arrive, is just because he wants to score. He wants to make the most of every opportunity. He's, 
He's there to score goals and he knows that that's how he will write his legacy. I think he's trying to show when he, when these demonstrative shows of emotion and, and frustration are just his desire to win. I, don't, I think he's a, a clever boy who knows how to control himself, what his body language should be on a football pitch. If he's doing this, it's not just pure frustration. It's a decision he's made. He wants to show people that he wants to score. He always wants to score for France. I don't think there's too much to read into that. This France squad, you've got players of quality in, in the attacking third of the field that, that are the envy of, of almost every other country in, in world football. And Mbappe is playing on the right-hand side. You Honestly, it's not can, a problem. Can you understand French people... Uh, looking at certain selections from Deschamps in terms of what they've done this season. Olivier Giroud has barely played in the Premier League for Chelsea. You've got other players like Kurt Zouma, who's getting in ahead of uh, ahead of Clement Longley and, 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 and Emmerich Laporte. And, you know, there clearly is a selection process in, in Deschamps' head whereby he's not picking players in terms of their club form. He's picking players in terms of the people that they are, in terms mm-hmm. of what they've done in the past for the for the squad. But can you... Can you understand, I'll put this out to both of you, French people thinking, hang on, we've got all these incredible players and yet he is picking, up until recently, Adil Rami, who's been absolutely hopeless for Marseille um, this season. He's been picking... Well, he's not playing anymore for Marseille, is he? But Matt, I think I understand the point of your question. Can we take it back to just before the World Cup? What was the feeling like about the France team before the World Cup? Well, I there said they'd absolutely... win the tournament. Sorry? I said they'd win the tournament. Well, but you're not, you're not a French fan. They have the quality in that side, but the feeling that there was a lack of identity in the France squad, that that they only just qualified. Dave, I'm talking about the French fans, the French, the feeling in France. Is is it not the case? It's irrelevant. Yes, but that is the feeling. People have to find something to talk about on these. I agree with you. Podcasts and and (laughs) TV chat shows, and you have have to to fill the newspapers. (laughs) So, Dave, we'll not see you next week. <laughs> I'll come back. No, look, you know, I, I, I agree with you entirely that, that those sort of things are irrelevant, but they are what generate all the talk, and they are what's in the papers. And all the French fans, were, had the, their fandom was fueled by this idea that the team doesn't have any identity, that we've got all these quality players, that Pogba is not the, the, the king of midfield, that we thought Blaise Matuidi is going to be there again. Do we really think Blaise should be there up front, we've got all these talented players, but are they going to play? Is it just going to be Giroud? They won the World Cup by playing defensive football, by winning the tournament, not by showing that they were the best football team, the most talented players playing the most exciting, spectacular football. But is and it okay? Is it okay to carry on in these matches against? Well, ag- they, it's against okay Iceland, because they won. If they hadn't have won, these questions would still be going. And now, because they haven't qualified yet, we will have all these questions. We'll come back again. But that four-one uh, win, but it was only against Moldova. Now we play Iceland. Iceland will be a lot better at defending. Mm. They'll be a lot more organised. It will be harder for France, but they will play this counter-attacking football. People will work out how to play this France side. That's how it works. Then you have to count on the individual quality of your Mbappes, of your Giroud's to hold the ball up and to make space for other players, of your Pogba's coming through, and that is how you'll win these football well, matches. I'm going to defend Didier Deschamps, who I think came in for a lot of unfair criticism, even in the the aftermath of them winning the World point, Cup, Dave. particularly in the English language <laughs> yeah, media. In the English what language, more, in France, what more do you want a man to do? The exactly, Portugal were exactly. really lucky to beat them in the Euro 2016 final. If André-Pierre Gignac's shot goes in, then they're European and world champions. Exactly. And in relation to talking about fringe players, it always amuses me on these TV shows, you end up talking about the third-choice goalkeeper, the second-choice left-back, 
how important are those people really to a squad? Are they going to win you a World Cup? No, they're not. It's just to fill time. Um, but And what Didier Deschamps has done so successfully with France is generate that club mentality that so many national coaches say that they're after. And how do you do that? You do it through loyalty. You do it through making sure that the players feel like they're treated as humans. And Deschamps has that touch. He's a, a tough but fair coach. And the players have responded to it. If you see the togetherness that there is in that France squad now, and he has actually changed more players than people think he has, and he pointed that out in a long interview he gave last week, 13 of the World Cup squad were at their first international tournament. Well, it gets to the point where Adil Rami simply cannot get picked. I mean, he's not even playing <laughs> playing for Marseille. But, but Dave, I, I, I get your point. And I think the criticism being aimed at Deschamps is mainly coming from outside France. And... Uh, uh, Robbie, you mentioned that people complain in France that this team maybe doesn't have a, an identity, but I think that is a case of, yeah, all these talk shows, we've got to talk about something. You know, your most right-minded supporter in France is, and, and I was actually out at, at a few of the France games in Russia and the French fans out there, they were absolutely loving, uh, you know, Didier Deschamps. I mean, you know, certainly from the Argentina game onwards, but... Um, I guess, you know, when you, if, when you're when winning, you win a World you're Cup doing as a everything captain right. and as a manager, you still ha have your critics. Absolutely. But when, if, you, if you win it, as Dave said, look, you're there to do a job. You're there to win the World Cup. And they did. They did it. They did it in style. They were by far the best team at the World Cup. For me, there was, even if certain decisions in the final against Croatia were, were, could be, were a little controversial, France were the best team at the World Cup. They scored four goals in the final. They won the World Cup by scoring goals. Plenty of it. It wasn't a defensive display, but their mentality, as you say, Matt, was one of a club of tight-knit. That's how you win these football matches. And it doesn't necessarily work with every national team. We saw Germany, perhaps, who were, for me, were equally a sensationally talented side that could have gone all the way. Brazil, that could have gone all the way. But perhaps they didn't have what Deschamps was able to put in this side, this, this club mentality, and that's what makes the difference. Right, a couple of quick-fire questions for you now. Olivier Giroud talking about his future at the moment. He wants to be an important part of a team. He's angling for a move, perhaps back to Ligue 1. We're talking about Marseille, we're talking about Lyon. Which team of those two needs Olivier Giroud the most? Dave. Depends if Balotelli stays. If Balotelli doesn't stay, then it's Marseille. Uh, Dembele is on fire at Lyon at the moment. I'd like to see his development continuing. And I'd fear for Giroud that if he went to Lyon, he'd end up being a squad man there as well. Even though I've got a lot of admiration for him, I think he makes other players better. Robbie, yeah. Giroud, Giroud to PSG or more? Giroud to Lyon for me as well. I, 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 I can't see Balotelli leaving after just six months, leaving Marseille, even if they're, by all accounts, are people interested in him. I think uh, Leon's a better move for him. I think, as Dave said, he'll make other players look better. But he, he's at the time where he can also play. He's played as a squad player the last couple. I'm not sure he wants to come in as a returning star to French football. Leon can always use a big focal point. Dembele is pacey, he's quick, and he's very, very young. You can always do with a Giroud in a situation like that. Next question, Dave. We talk about France having the, uh, the most attacking talent in world football, but I'll put this to you. Which front front four would you prefer? Mbappe, Giroud, Griezmann, Coman, or Sterling, Sancho, Kane, Rashford? It's exciting times for England as well. France are, are way ahead of England on this curve still, and I'd still go with the French lads. Uh, Coman needs to stay fit before we can really judge him in bleu. Uh, he was meant to play against Moldova on Friday, but hurt his back and hamstring in the warm-up. So um, you could pick 
any number of players in that Coman position as well. I'll go with France. Well, now that Tim Cahill has hung up the boots from the, from the <laughs> green and gold, I would uh, say that that French front line just edges the Socceroos. Yeah, but what about England? It's pretty... I couldn't mean, comment, <laughs> Matt. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. I'll tell you what, though. It's, uh, yeah, it is. It is exciting for England. And uh, uh, yeah, my household uh, could, be, could be split come the Euros. I've got a bit of a bit of an issue with the kids not knowing whether to support France or, or England but we'll we'll see how that how that pans out we'll move away just to finish we'll move away from the international game back to the domestic game because we're kicking off the league on action this Friday night and it's a big one Ren against uh, Lyon important of course for for Lyon to to push on and uh, to try to qualify for the for the Champions League Ren have got to get over the disappointment of uh, of crashing out of the Europa League how do you see how do you see this one uh, Dave it's a, it's a game that's going to be played at Rennes not an easy place to go for Lyon It's not but they need to keep getting these results and the the carrot is there for Lyon now that they're only 4 points behind Lille they really want to finish second behind Paris Saint-Germain in order to secure that automatic group stage spot in the Champions League so they're going to be pushing hard uh, Rennes at their best very very good um, like Lyon I don't think they're consistent enough yet I think that one could finish in a score draw. Robbie, you were suggesting that Lille might fade away. They're second at the moment, Lille, but they've got Lyon breathing down their necks. Lille go away to Nantes, who've had a very difficult season. Obviously, the uh, absolutely horrendous and, and tragic disappearance of Emiliano Sala. Um, they've had to, to get on with the football and, and it's been a struggle. Nantes probably not going to be relegated, but they're the sort of team Lille could be, could be beating, really, even, even at the Bourgeois. Well, I did say last week that, that I expected Lyon perhaps to overtake Lille in that race for second place. That was more, and I, and I felt a bit bad after saying that because I didn't justify it in any way whatsoever. I just uh, threw a huge stone into the ocean and said, oh, there you go, Lyon will overtake them for second place. It's because Lille have this, this counter-attacking football that if sides start to work them out, which has happened in the last few weeks, they're not scoring as freely as they were. And... and in a league side, a side like Nantes with a coach like Halil Hodzic will watch what the other sides have done. We'll see what Montpellier did to keep Pepe, Iconi, Bomba and Leao under wraps and they will try and put that in place. They'll use it depending on what players they have in their squad. But I can expect Nantes will try purely to frustrate Lille and at the moment Lille are starting to struggle and to find solutions for these sides that have worked them out. Now, before we leave you... Uh We'll be doing our Bon Voyage segment. And by the way, you can uh, send in questions to us and we would welcome any questions from the listeners. We have an email account, league1podcast at gmail.com. L-I, that's L-I-G-U-E-1, the number, podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hashtag league1podcast to our uh, official league Un account, which is uh, league underscore E-N-G on Twitter. Um, bon Voyage is our nice little segment to finish where we take you to a, a, a lovely place in this uh, wonderful country that is France. And uh, I'd like to start with David. And uh, David, tell me, where would you like to go this weekend and which game would you like to take in? Well, thanks for the billing map. I'm actually going to take us out of France. I'm going to take us to the Principality of Monaco because I've had a look at the weather forecast for the rest of the week and it's pretty good across the country. Uh, it's going to be very sunny on the Côte d'Azur and there's no better place to be. Than, uh, than there when it's 
good weather. I don't think it's quite warm enough to go for a dip in the sea before the three o'clock kickoff when Monaco play Caen. Yes, it is low-key. No, there won't be a big crowd, but you'll probably be able to get a nice lunch. You'll be able to soak up the sunshine and you'll see goals because Monaco should beat Con very comfortably. Can I just say, Dave used to have the cushiest job in, in journalism. When, when I started out as a, as a reporter, I was going to Monaco's European matches and Dave, Dave came along as well. He had this gig where you know, I had to actually write match reports. Dave, he had to press a button every time one team had possession and, and when possession changed and basically he had not a, everyone can do it Matt he had a two day jolly he was, he was always <laughs> drinking coffee on the port and uh, popping off to the beach and stuff so I, I think Dave knows the Principality pretty well Robbie what, what do you fancy this weekend well this is for the Australians out there I'm heading to Amiens for Amiens Bordeaux because just next to Amiens there's a little village called Villas Bretonneux where the main bar is called the Melbourne that we have the, the streets are Sydney, Melbourne, there's the Victoria Bar as well. The local school has a huge museum and tribute to Australia, and it's because Australian soldiers there during World War II helped uh, protect the village of Villas Bretonneux. And it's like a, a little Australia away from home, so any Australians here that are looking to catch a little league on football, head to Amiens Bordeaux, and uh, bef- after kickoff or before in the morning, head out to Villas Bretonneux and have a look around. That's why you, you always ask to commentate the, the Amiens games. I've been wondering all this time. I'm going to chip in as well, and I'm going to say uh, I fancy a trip to Saint-Étienne because I love the Stade Geoffroy-Guichard. They're playing Nîmes this weekend, Saint-Étienne against Nîmes. I think it's the best atmosphere in France, although the Velodrome in, in Marseille for a big game is sensational. But whoever they're playing, the Stéphanois, the Saint-Étienne fans turn up, and uh, I'm going to stick up for Saint-Étienne because their former player, Oli Selness, Uh, A Norwegian player who left uh, earlier this season to go and play in China said that he found it too boring living in Saint-Étienne. But there's plenty to do. You've got the the football, you've got the football museum. You can visit the old uh, coal mine museum as well. You're only a train ride away. the overpass. You're a train ride (laughs) away from from Lyon. It was the old Saint-Étienne president, Roger Rocher, who said that Lyon is a suburb of Saint-Étienne when it comes to football. That perhaps has changed, but uh, Saint-Étienne is still a footballing hotbed. And that is it for this week's pod. We'll be back, of course, with uh, all of the news and uh, the discussion from uh, the next match day in France. I hope you've enjoyed Le Bourgeois from uh, Robbie Thompson, David Crossan and me, Matt Spiro. It's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. We'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Au revoir. See ya.